0: Well hello there why though fam we are so glad to have you back joining us for another episode of why though as we always tell you it's our honor and our privilege to be able to serve this community and it's also so wonderful to be able to speak thoughtfully and frankly and to process issues of our day with such a rich and diverse and beautiful community as this one we're so glad that you're here. In light of the draft of the opinion Justice Alito wrote about Roe versus Wade this week, we thought it would be very helpful to revisit an episode that we recorded during our Faith and Politics series. Not only was this one of our most popular episodes, but on an issue that can be as explosive as abortion, we think it is important to talk about this in a way that is more nuanced and thoughtful and considerate of women and of children. And we are pro-birth and we are pro-mother and we are pro children and we are pro family. And I think that so often these types of things get missing from the polarized ends of the conversation, but there is a space we can walk together in the middle. There is a way that we can talk about these issues without things blowing up and exploding. There is a way that we can journey forward as believers and do some thoughtful thinking and some thoughtful reflecting and some thoughtful connecting and dialogue about this issue. So we hope this blesses you this week. And for anyone who is struggling and having a difficult time we see you we hear you we're with you and we just want you to know that we honor you and we love you so enjoy this episode this throwback from our faith and politics series and as always message us let us know how you're processing this issue let us know how we can be serving you in light of what's happening in our world today we love you
1: welcome back to why though we're so pumped you're on the journey with us and also we are just tickled pink and I'm, I don't turn pink, but I am whatever color I turn <laughs> all that the y'all out love there, we turn pink. We do. The white turn pink. <laughs> yeah, I' don't turn pink. You never know when I'm blushing. Um, but we are just so honored that it was an encouragement to talk about how politics affect family dynamics, yeah. especially extended family dynamics. So we're here for you. we love you. We saw all those DMs, all those shout outs on IG stories, all of it. Thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. Now, before we get into today's episode, I just have to say that I have discovered a new supplement, which I should be getting paid to share (laughs) about this, by the way. So coldsnap.com, please send me a check in the number (laughs) up. I'm I'm joking. Um, Y'all, this fall stuff, I know we are in the middle of a global pandemic, but it's also just cold and flu season as well. And it's just knocking down my door, Ashley. I don't love it. I don't love it. And you guys, I just have to say... I am taking all the cold snap. I'm taking all the vitamin C. What is that emergency? I take like three mm-hmm. at a time. In a oh very, my gosh!
0: No I way. Do. I mean, oh,
1: I'm sure. Is that okay? Like, I mean, I take you know one what? of those things. I drink like six cups of
0: coffee a day. I take one emergency and I get the jitters. Stop! I'm not. Who kidding. are you? It's super what? weird. I don't know. I have no idea. But I am taking that's three what at once, gives you the jitters, miss
1: six cups of coffee. That's what does it. <laughs> Okay, no, hold on. I've got the best cocktail. So I do two to three emergencies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I still can't get over it. I, You know what's so funny? My husband started serving it to me that way. So I just thought, oh, this is clever. Look at me cheating the system. <laughs> and then I add in, is it the Umka? I think that's the brand, Umka. And it's like a cold and flu, all natural, like crystals that you're supposed to just do in water. But then I add, I do all that. And then I do a, like a vial <laughs> drop of... <laughs> <laughs> of elderberry concentrate Uh uh-huh. so like, is like it's legit yeah so i put that in there as well and then i'll mix that all up and then i'll toss it back
0: i love I it i mean
1: it i think it's working
0: and to I be honest as long as it works Because nobody wants to be sick, especially Mm. in the year of the Rona. So if it works, if that is the preventative cocktail, thank you for sharing it with the whole world, Tiffany.
1: (laughs) I know you all love that. that. I know you guys are going to send me DMs and be like, yeah, girl, I did your thing, and I feel great (laughs) after 24 hours. So there you go, umkacoltsnap.com. And what's the other one I wanted some money from? Oh, emergency. I understand. Mm-hmm. Your girl's got you. I am your evangelist. Mm-hmm. So here we are. <laughs> here we are. So if you hear me a little creakily, crackly, my voice, that is wise. Because I have been drinking that nonstop. By the way, I did research. If you take too much vitamin C, your body just gets rid of it. It's not going to have like a right negative effect. So I'm, I'm feeling good. That's good. I'm feeling good. I'm no feeling
0: glad. good. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Girl, it's raining here. We're all indoors again again meaning from oh the it's like season. 90
0: degrees here still so <laughs> la doesn't have a real fall until about december and then we have a fake winter from middle of january to middle of february where people are in parkas and beanies and i'm embarrassed to be in la at that time and then spring comes at the end of february <laughs> and then summer happens in april, <laughs> so, in april.
1: Do and you- it
0: stays summer until november <laughs>
1: I remember I was with a few speaking, extra hot months,
0: of course. With a few extra, <laughs> just
1: a few. Yes. I was speaking yeah. at um, at a church in Long Beach in December, and I brought like short sleeve T shirts and shorts and skirts and like flip flops and all of this stuff. And when I got there, everyone was wearing like knee high boots and jeans and slouchy mm-hmm. sweaters, and I was like, "It is mm-hmm. seventy four degrees." i don't get it but you know what mm-hmm. you but you want to feel the whole culture it's a whole thing you just want <laughs> to you know, just want to feel like you're have the season to celebrate but it is what it is yep. it
0: is what it is yep agreed
1: <laughs> mm. well actually what are we talking about today so
0: we really through this faith and politics series we just want to make a commitment to you as our listeners to talk about real topics the things that you are wondering about the things that you're curious about the things that are very often divisive and people are unsure how to think about them what does it mean to believers and sometimes things can come up whether it's online or in real life and it can cause great division, great fighting, great arguing, 175 comments later. Yeah. <laughs> so one of those big divisive um, You know issues in faith and politics is the issue of abortion and we wanted to talk about that today And the title of our show is why pro-birth is not enough though Because we really do believe there's a large chunk of the pro-life movement that really is just pro-birth And we want to talk about that and it's not to shame anyone in the pro-life movement I want to say first of all that I am a Christian. I have had an abortion and I am pro-life And so I want to talk a little bit about my own story Tiffany has some amazing thoughts as well that we want to share with you guys on this issue that is really tough to tackle. And honestly, I'm sure we'll get comments on both sides of the spectrum, but we felt it was worth the risk, especially for those of you who are weighing what you feel, what you think, you're thinking about maybe more policies than you ever have before. I've personally been reached out to by so many people who have been a single issue voter their entire life and are for the first time going, wait a minute, I need to be thinking about other issues. And I think that's really powerful and beautiful. And we wanted to help you guys have um, a decently robust dialogue. Now, it's not extensive or exhaustive. You guys know our shows are 25 minutes long. (laughs) But what we are going to give you in the show notes is a great list of resources, podcasts on the history of abortion from Moe v. Wade, the history of evangelicals and abortion. And so we want to cover some of that nitty-gritty stuff, but in a way that is more focused on females, on women, on family, um, and instead of, you know, all the nitty-gritty details. But we know them, we've researched yeah. them, and we want to share those with you guys as well. So that's what our topic is today.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we love women. I just You just said that, Ashley, and I want to just echo that again. And we know that we have listeners from both sides of the aisle, and we have multiple women in our lives who've had experiences um, that have led them to an abortion, and there's just yeah. no shame. So before we even go into that, That's there's right. just no shame. Both Ashley and yes. I have um, pursued abortion recovery groups or helped start them, facilitate them. We're passionate about women knowing their value in Christ, finding redemption and wholeness in Christ. So if you're listening to this and that's been your experience, know that we love you. We love you. We We love you. We love you. We love you.
0: Yes. I love that. And I um, I became pro-life through my own experience with abortion, which I know is not everybody's story, but it certainly was mine, the whole experience in general. I know I had always wanted to have a baby when I found myself pregnant. I was two weeks away from moving to Los Angeles. I was a week away from turning 21 years old. I was in a very dysfunctional relationship with the, the person that I was having the baby with and without even thinking, decided to have an abortion in the next morning, like scheduled an appointment that night when I found out I was pregnant pregnant, and then went the next morning without really giving it too, too much thought. I was just scared to stay in the relationship. I was scared to be stuck in my life. I was scared of so many things. And I also didn't know very many people that I could tell or talk to that would not have a very um, strong or judgmental reaction (laughs) to that. And so um, making the decision for me was a really hard and a really difficult one. And the road to recovery was long and hard and painful, which is why I became very passionate about helping women journey out of. their experience with abortion and since then have seen gosh so many stories i mean so many stories of women who are in domestic violence situation Mm -hmm. women who are in extreme poverty women who have no access to maternity leave women who have no access to child care women who have no community like do not have a family member that they could have help them with the child women who do not have resources who are working minimum wage jobs and do not have resources to be able to hire child care and so i think with all of this, this is how I also uh, very often say I'm not a single issue voter. And this is the reason why, because I believe that pro birth, having a baby is one thing. And that's a good thing. That's a noble thing. But it's not enough. It is not enough to just be pro birth and then to leave women stranded and leave women struggling. And also, this pro, the pro life movement very often leaves out the father. And there is no, um, He's absent from the conversation. It's almost as if he didn't exist, as if he, you know, he didn't produce the sperm that creates and inseminates the egg that forms the baby. And I think that feels very frustrating to me, too, in the pro-life movement, because there are two people involved making this decision. And there are two people that if anything was to ever happen, you know, there's been talk over the last four years, especially of criminalization, of laws where women could go to prison, where they could be fined, all these different things for having an abortion. And some of you listening might might agree with some of that stuff. I, I personally don't. I don't think that as um, a young 20-year-old girl that I deserve to be incarcerated for the de- decision that I made, nor do I think if we're going to criminalize women and put them in jail or give them $2,500 fines, which is already happening in a few states. Um, then I don't think that that should be absent of the father who participated in the Yeah, accountability so there I, for him. Exactly, exactly. And so I think there's this is a much more nuanced conversation than people want it to be. And I think that we need to have a better pro-life conversation. <laughs> we are not having a very good pro-life conversation. and it's we're not winning anyone. We're stand you know, for those who stand strong in that movement, they're not winning people <laughs> over to the pro-life camp because the the rhetoric is divisive,
1: and it's not good. Yeah, recently, I heard on the and campaign, which produces church politics podcasts, which I highly recommend. Um, yes. really truly bipartisan approach to issues that affect us yeah. each and every day and one yeah. gal that they interviewed who is a state senator in Louisiana she mentioned I'm for the whole gospel for whole life so instead of talking about pro-life talking about whole life for our whole mm-hmm. lives so womb to tomb understanding yes. that to support woman in the a woman in the beginning means we've got to walk with her, walk with her family, as you said, um, the father of this baby, yeah. walk with them um, till they meet Jesus. If they've found Jesus, walk with them to the tomb. Truly, like understanding, yes. life is so nuanced and complex. And I love that you just said this, but this is just not a black and white issue. It's just
0: right. not a
1: black and white issue. So the idea right. of criminalizing it or making it illegal these broad broad answers that we're providing i think we it would serve us all to step back and think what is leading a woman to those situations what is at play what's her socioeconomic standing um how has maybe race or class played an issue I I love that even just you shared, you didn't have anybody you felt like you could call who was safe. And depending on their upbringing, perhaps they don't feel like there's anybody they could call and feel safe and help make decisions and walk with them and care for that baby. And the shame, man, shame plays such um, a huge role here. So I think that being able to talk about what would make it unnecessary what would yeah. make it unnecessary is yep. um, must be part of the conversation as believers. Because if we want to encourage women and men to live full, abundant lives, then we have to look at what would help get them there in the practical.
0: Yes. Gosh, that's so good. I, it reminds me of a quote that I've always loved by Sister Joan Chittister. And she's a, a nun, an author, and a speaker. And she said, this I do not believe that just because you're opposed to abortion that makes you pro-life in fact I think in many cases your morality is deeply lacking if all you want is a child born but not a child fed not a child educated not a child housed and why would I think that you don't because you don't want any tax money to go there that's not pro-life that's pro-birth we need a much broader conversation on what the morality of pro-life is and I really really love this I also think that, you know, along the same lines, the things to think about are things like healthcare. Yeah. You know, I remember when our first baby was born, the total cost of having a baby was $500. And then both both times I had my babies, we had insurance. And the second time my baby was born, when all the bills came in, they totaled $28,000. And that was just to have a baby. And so I kept thinking, gosh, how does anybody do this? I was able to call and, and just fight and fight and fight, which is the least you know exciting thing when you're holding a two-week baby and you have a toddler running around to be fighting with insurance companies and going back and forth with hospitals but I was able to get it um, around ten thousand dollars so I was able to knock off eighteen thousand dollars Um, But at the same time, $10,000 is a lot of money. And if you're working minimum wage or you're living paycheck to paycheck, which by the way, most most middle class Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. They do not have savings. They don't have money to invest. They don't have an opportunity to think about retirement because they are still living paycheck to paycheck even though they may own a home and even though they might have two incomes in their household. And so $28,000 bills, you guys, it's just like to think about things like that, affordable healthcare, to think about affordable housing, to think about what it could look like to have education. Like, I think, you know, education in America really depends on your zip code. Now, are there some you know caveats to this yes like for example the town I grew up in only had one high school it's not like we had options or something (laughs) but at the same time your zip code across America uh, determines your child's experience with education so you think about things like that then what about children who might have disabilities or learning disabilities and what if parents don't have support what if the school doesn't offer help (laughs) you know you just think about it's it's again it's this whole life picture and we have to be thinking about what we're doing to our education systems what we're doing to our healthcare systems and obviously I will die on this hill when it comes to women and paid maternity in America mm-hmm. because it is a shame mm-hmm. and it is an embarrassment. I mean, I remember, you know, with my second baby, I was, I was working part-time by choice so that I could, because basically all of our money would have gone into childcare anyway. Yeah. And so I was working part time and then when I went on maternity leave, it was half pay on a part time salary. And then we were able to apply for like some paid family leave disability um, through the state of New York. And you know what the pay was? $700. So I was like, okay, that doesn't even cover, okay, what is that, you know, a cell phone bill and, you know, maybe three other small things, like tiny things. And so you think about that. And then women are trying to make these impossible choices and if you are a barista or you you are working at Target or you are a janitor in a hospital, like you're not getting maternity leave. You're not going to be paid on your leave, you're going to get whatever that government paid leave is, which is typically so far below even one month's salary. And so when we're talking about this conversation for us, I love that question, Tiffany, that you raised, what would make this unnecessary? It's that kind of thing. And so even when I think about how I vote in local elections, how I view how the government should be serving us, these are the things that I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about women, I'm thinking about families, I'm thinking about children, I'm thinking about education and healthcare, And, you know, all of those things really matter to me when comes to this issue of pro-life because I really do believe that if we do not begin to care about all of these things you know then how can we as Christians even call ourselves pro-life and I mean it extends so much further than that which we could talk about maybe on another podcast but I just think about you know the the border crisis that we're dealing yeah. with and the the women we just discovered were um, given hysterectomies against their will like they were fully sterilized mm-hmm. without their knowledge and against their will at our borders so are we pro-life yeah. <laughs> do we care about that do we care about their life do we care about their capacity to have babies like are we thinking about this issue are we thinking about women across the spectrum when it comes to this issue of pro-life and and very often i don't think that we are and i want to say one more thing and i know i'm on a Get road it, girl
1: <laughs> (laughs)
0: But I think that many people also have this idea of a woman who has an abortion Mm. like they create a caricature in their head and just as a person who's been working around this issue for about 15 years now I want you to know that abortion doesn't have a specific face or a specific color and as a matter of fact 25 percent of abortions are had by by women who are married and who who have husbands and just may not have the resources the income the whatever um to to do that and sometimes abortions are classified um or sometimes uh, medical procedures are classified as abortions like when a baby has already died in the womb or the woman will become septic if the baby doesn't pass then they can classify that as an abortion a dnc is what they call it um and so there's just so many things that happen here and when roe v wade was passed you know the biggest issue for um the seven out of nine judges who voted yes for it by the way six of those seven were appointed by republican presidents um so they were not you know you know, all judges are supposed to be um, bipartisan, you know, nonpartisan ju- judges. But at the same time, these were Republican appointees. The only one who wasn't was um, RBG. So, the, their biggest issue was privacy—that you know, a woman can have these conversations with her doctor and determine what her outcome is. Now, some people don't like that, and I understand it. But that was the biggest issue—was actually privacy. Like, why would the government be able to interfere in conversations a woman is having with her doctor? And so I just think we haven't thought well about this. Christians haven't been thoughtful. They haven't read what what's really going on. They've I feel like Christians very often get very excitable about Facebook memes and pro-life movements that um, are, are lacking a lot of nuance yeah. and a lot of context. And it devastates me personally, having worked with women this long, but it is important for us to be thinking about this. It doesn't have a face. It doesn't look like a certain race. It's not a caricature, and yeah. you know, women of all ages, stages, marital statuses, races have abortions. Mm-hmm. Period, and and many times it points back to poverty. Like that, that can be the number one through line is is their economic status. But still, it's important for us
1: to talk about that. Absolutely, um, as you mentioned, especially online engagement, you know, around march for march for our life or all of these events that are yeah. to support the pro-life movement that's beautiful we just need to ensure that we're not sharing um or supporting any images that again would cause shame i don't believe that there's yes. space for that i think just sorry the shepherd in me is coming yes. out right now i just Same, i think of I how many you. friends of mine who've had abortions and around that time of year going on facebook is so painful because they just feel so shamed and they've already gone to the lord and sought healing for that part of their journey and i just i just encourage us all when we think about this issue when we post on this issue ensure that think hey who might be watching who might be seeing this because yeah. all of us we life is so difficult my grace life is so is. hard and so when we think of a woman who is facing some impossible decisions and also I really yeah. want to say thank you for explaining how um, even when it's a miscarriage that can sometimes be labeled and counted yes. in that you know it's about a million a year as what um, we're well, reading yeah, a million right. but if there's also um, miscarriages or other, really complex situations counted in those numbers that's just something to take into consideration that it isn't Mm -hmm. these women who just flippantly want to have an abortion that is this is a hard decision it's a hard decision yes um so just encouraging all of us again i think compassion here must rule supreme over incivility we can have this righteous anger but may we tunnel it in a compassionate nature
0: yes i love that so much that is a very important point is to have compassion around this and be careful how you're talking about it. And also the reality is one in four yep. women have had an yep. abortion. So you don't know who you're wounding and hurting with the on, words girl. that you're carelessly putting out there. You probably have a family member or a dear friend who may have had an abortion and just has never told mm-hmm. you because it's it's something women just do not talk about. And also would encourage you, you know you again, we're going to put some show notes and some links to some podcasts so that you can read up on the history of evangelicals and abortion and why that movement switched, why that became the, the single issue that evangelicals cared about, um, and it was right on the heels of Brown versus Board yep. of Education. And prior to that, the Southern Baptist Convention believed that abortion was okay, especially in cases of, um, specifically not, uh, not at all times, obviously, but because of rape or incest or something like that, then they were okay with it. They believed in a woman's right to choose. They just didn't want it to be a major issue, which is what RBG said as well when she wrote Um, for the Supreme Court, and she said it should be rare, like abortion should be rare. Um, And and many, many Southern Baptists and Baptists across the nation and many Christians also believe the same thing. And then they harnessed political power by using this issue to sway voters to vote a certain way. And so I think it's just super important for us to be knowledgeable and to understand the history. You know, we always talk about fake news nowadays Mm -hmm. and propaganda, and it's like, okay, great. So Christians, do your research, be smart, get your head in the game, be thoughtful be considerate, be compassionate people, because that's what the world is really looking for. And our witness right now is not one that, that too many Christians <laughs> want to be associated with. And in the world, people are looking at us going, what in the heck is happening? And so we want to encourage you to be thoughtful um, and to do your work, do your research. Don't just repeat something. Don't just repost something. Don't just get involved in a movement because you you know, believe that what you saw rings true somehow it's like no do your do your own work and then if you still believe in being part of the movement great good for you you've done your own thoughtful research you've made your own decisions but we do want to encourage you guys to please just just be thoughtful during this season
1: be loving be compassionate yes um in eugene cho's newest book thou shalt not be a jerk he talks about a gal that he knew named eleanor and Ashley, you'll probably recall this story, but Eleanor I was um, so a gal in her 60s <laughs> and she would stand outside of an abortion clinic and not hold yeah. up a sign or shout down women as they were walking in, but she would say, hey, if you, if you have anybody you need to talk to, if, if you don't have anyone to talk to, um, my my door is open and I'd love to yeah. give you some coffee or share some treats with you and just talk. And so many women took her up on that, and I can't imagine the moment yeah. of walking in there and just having someone show love right then and there. Um, yeah. But she that. has thrown I'm, – I've I'm got chills even just talking about her. She's thrown numerous baby showers and helped women um, find <laughs> resources and helped them um, find jobs that fit their skill set and helped um, – their partners would partner up with her husband to do job training or resources or resume writing yeah. or all these different things to help be boots on the ground and walk alongside. So I think my final encouragement for all of us is when we think of whole life, when we think yeah. of loving our brothers and sisters and and loving women who find themselves in that situation, what can we do? Obviously we can yeah. vote and we're encouraging you to be Uh, wise voters is there something is there a nonprofit in your community does your church have an arm that reaches out um to women to to help them with practical needs whatever the case may be i encourage you what what is this if if you if we want to talk about pro-life whole life what are we doing in the day in and day out to live that out how are we embodying the gospel think of the women in your community maybe not in your immediate sphere, but in your community that you could serve in a practical way. We all have something in our hand, right? We all have something in our hand that we can serve those around us. So we encourage you. We love you listeners. Uh, We are praying for you and we'll have lots of good resources in those show notes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit TiffanyBloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit AshAbercrombie.org. See you next week.